This podcast was brought to you by Spartan Sports. This is The Running Game, a rugby podcast that covers the sport from the ground up. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host, Phil Gold, kicking extraordinaire, Matthew Dunning. How are you, my dear old thing? Mate, very good. Still 100%. Absolutely, 100%. We've got a cracking show on the way today. Brother Anthony Boyd, an absolute legend at St. Joseph's College at Hunters Hill. And Kenny Wright, former Wallaby Kenny Wright from the late 1970s. Now, Maddie, I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Brother Anthony Boyd. Of course, been at St. Joseph's College for 45 years. He's retired as a brother now, but still coaching the 15Fs. An extraordinary story. What about those couple of Joey's boys that you played with, Maddie Burke and Bill Young? There couldn't be two more opposites if you tried. Oh, look... What a great school Joey's has been, rugby school. They've produced more Wallabies than any other school in Australia, and they've got such a rich culture and produced so many guys that I play with of all positions and all levels. And I think you've picked one end of the spectrum to the other in all respects. Two of my great mates, Matt Burke at one end, clean freak, not a hair out of place, very well spoken. Then Bill Young, the publican on the other end, uh, hair very un- very like myself, not done very often. And, and one drinks in... Uh, European bars and the top levels. The other just drinks down pubs like me and uh, the guy I used to. But two great blokes, two of the great blokes. And uh, I love touring with both of them. Uh, you spend a lot of time with Matt Burke looking at art shows and playing golf and you spend a lot of time with Bill with Bill at uh, more uh, wineries and, and pubs <laughs> but mate great blokes and obviously spent a lot of time with the great Bill Young a prop like me we, we stayed together and stayed pretty close Bill was the inventor of the Mayday protector probably the first guy ever a lot of people don't know this but Mayday was a was a call we used in the front row if you went down injured so you stopped pu- pushing but we'd also use it in, um, in scrummaging if if your shirt got lifted up and they saw your guts exposed to the camera, you yelled out, mayday, and a back row would pull your, your jumper down so it wouldn't expose it. But Bill Young was a genius. He came up with those undergarment shirts, so he was always protected even when it got lifted up. He was a he was a visionary. I almost need that on the golf course when I slice one, the shirt pops up. Matty Dunning, yeah, I love those stories. And St. Joseph's College, what a remarkable place for rugby union. Coming up next on The Running Game, it is brother Anthony Boyd. Well, when you start to talk about rugby at school level, GPS, Joey's Rugby in Sydney is just a standout. Now, the man that's been there for 45 years, brother Anthony Boyd, is joining us now on The Running Game. It's a delight, brother Boyd. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Tim. It's lovely to speak with you. Brother Boyd, there wouldn't be a more experienced uh, schoolboy rugby coach or proficionado in in the game. How have you enjoyed your time at uh, St. Joseph and how have you seen rugby develop in the schoolboy game? I've really enjoyed it. It's um, I've been lucky. I don't know about more experience, but I've been there a long time. Whether that makes you experienced or not, I'm not sure, but I just, I just, I enjoy the game. I love the game. The boys love the game. And we've got, we got um, 41 rugby teams at the moment. There's over 850 boys playing, which is enormous. Um, and all at various levels. You know, the Opens, there's 14 teams. And uh, the 15s, we go down to the Gs. I'm looking after the 15Fs at the moment. And um, you go to training and the kids get there. They look forward to it. They're energetic, enthusiastic and uh, enjoy the challenge each week. They play with a real passion. It's just good to be around them, you know. 
Oh, I've, I've been so uh, privileged, I think, uh, to be in the position I have been in and to still be able to coach boys at, uh, at my age now. Um, is, um, it's a real joy, real joy. You've been at Joey's for 45 years. You've seen some remarkable athletes come through and then go on to represent at the highest level. What is it about the growth of individuals with rugby at that level, the growth in personalities, you know, particularly for those that don't go on to play at the highest level and but, but, but get as much love out of it as, as the real talented guys? Oh, look, uh, in terms of, of um, the, the game itself and why, why people continue playing it, I think it's the enjoy the enjoyment of it, the, the camaraderie, uh, the fact that they're able to play with their mates or, or, or meet new mates. You know, they go, they leave Joey's and they go to a rugby club. They make new friends and and, and meet them, and um, yeah, it's a game. I think a lot of lifelong friendships are formed through rugby. I guess it's the same with all sports, but it's certainly true of rugby that um, friendships are formed on playing fields, uh, at training, and wet, cold nights, and and um, you know, beautiful days, I guess, in winter, um, where where boys and, and young men after they leave school make friends that remain friends with them for life. And I don't know, they still talk about their games and what they did. And uh, I know, Matthew, you know, like you, you've kicked some great field goals in your day, a great distance. <laughs> <laughs> the distance gets further and further, doesn't it? You know? Every I think that's, year. that happens with rugby too. But um yeah, and, and the player that goes on and does well, it's it's often interesting. Sometimes they're players you mightn't expect, but and other times they they are. But I always think that what makes a successful player is the work that they do in the dark um, when they're not at school or even when they are at school. Um, the extra little bits that a player does uh, to get himself fit, to develop his skills, Um that's probably the thing that really makes a champion or makes an elite athlete in the long run, um, more so than individual coaching or anything like that. It's what's inside them and uh, what motivates them to do their very best and to excel and extend themselves. Brother Boyd, you, you spoke about the success of the, the amount of wallabies that Joey's has produced. Who are some of the guys that that were just prodigious schoolboy talents that that made the Wallabies and were just a joy to watch when you retired, if you can name a few names. Obviously, there's so many at Joey, so it's difficult. But is there any that you, you were specifically proud of for a certain reason or, you know, worth noting? Yeah, I, I mean, Matthew Burke was one of the ones. I had him as an under-12-year-old. And then I had him also uh, in the first 15 for a couple of years. And uh, he was an extraordinary talent, Matthew. Uh, beautiful balanced runner and that. And uh, I used to get a lot of enjoyment out of watching him play the game and, and you know, in later life as a Wallaby. Um, uh, more recent times, Kirtley Beale would be another um, to see him play at school and then go on and, and do well in uh, at international level. But there's other players that I've seen too, you know, that didn't quite do that. Um, I mean, one of the players that I always talk about as being a, a wonderful back was a, a boy by the name of Graham Thompson. Uh, who played in 1990 and 91. Uh, he was a magnificent little player. He played for New South Wales country and then had a series of injuries that didn't uh, pre- or prevented him from perhaps going on and doing greater things. Um, David Kelleher was another, uh, a back rower, played number eight and flanker. He wasn't tall, but he was a magnificent athlete and a great player. Uh, he captained in later life uh, Oxford or Cambridge. I'm not sure which one it was. 
but um, had a success, successful career over there while he was studying at university. Um, but he, he was a player who I thought could have been a Wallaby. There's a lot of people that could have been Wallabies and a lot of people that probably get there and you think, gee, he's done well, you know. He's done that extra bit and gone that extra yard somewhere um, and good on him, you know. Um, just recently I saw Tom Wright play and um, he's another one of ours uh, who's doing very well on the wing down in uh, Canberra. Um, and, uh, you know, when he was at school, you wondered whether he would get there. He always had talent, but you need that extra little bit uh, to become a wallaby. And, uh, you know, fortunately for, for Tom, um, he, he's achieved that. Good on him. You must be very proud when you hear St. Joseph's College mentioned in the manner in which it is around the game of rugby union, having been there for 45 years and being such an intrinsic part of, of what it is. Oh, it, it's, it's their proud moments. And, and uh, But it's like anything, you know, when, when boys you coach in different sports, I mean, also do a bit of rowing too, um, and, and you see boys get to the top, that, that's fantastic. The big thing is to actually see them continue to enjoy the game and make a contribution to whatever they're doing. Um, in later life, you know, it's great to see um, you go out to the country. I was out in Dubbo the other day and, and uh, you know, there's old boys from the bush who are still involved in rugby clubs, um, contributing, playing the game still, and then older ones who are contributing um, to, to the various rugby clubs in the country areas. I know Maurice is a big one where Joey's boys, uh, I think of a bloke called Peter Boland uh, up in Maurice, who a uh, lovely, lovely bloke and, and uh you know, the pride that he has in the, in the Moree Rugby Club. I forget what they call themselves now. It's not the Rams, but something like that. Um, wouldn't be Rams. But um, I was up in Moree last year and uh, with John actually visiting some of the families in the country and we met up with Peter and he took us out to the ground and to the rugby club and just the pride they have in the game, uh, the love they have for the game, but the love that they have for the community that, that grows around the game, you know, in those country years. It's fantastic. So, um, but boy, what, what's the secret to the success of the Joey's rugby program? Look, and, I, and I don't just mean all the first grade comps you've won, but the whole, all the, the level of participation that that's that's even says more about the school. What you know, and, and you're not always the biggest or or, or, or the you have the best players every year and year, but you just seem to always have a great culture, and you guys always seem to play for they play for each other. Is that, is that what it is? What is it? It's, uh, it's hard to put. A finger on it. I mean, it it, um, it goes back like when when the school started. The Morris brothers are a French order, and um, the early brothers that they were they were against rugby right from the start. Um, they saw it as being a very dangerous game. In the newspapers, like in eighteen seventy, uh, the newspaper reports were referring to rugby as as brutal and unmanly, and was a mixture of hacking and scragging and gouging and biting. You know, in 1982, which is a year after we started at Joey's here, we started in 1981, um, the, the Sydney Bulletin referred to rugby. I don't know whether you know, but they call it the Undertaker's Friend, you know. <laughs> and uh, the brothers wouldn't let the boys play uh, the game. They, um, they allowed them to play Aussie rules. And um, anyhow, the boys uh, eventually were playing uh, sort of Aussie rules and changed it into rugby, and they started playing the game without telling the brothers uh, what they were playing because the early Frenchmen didn't know the difference. And uh, in 1888, our first game of rugby started, you know, 60 of the senior boys to a place called uh, 
Jackson's Green, which is near Joey's, and played our first game. And it's been it's been going since then, really. Um, you know, there was a lot of success, I guess, in in uh, the early days when Brother Henry was coaching, and uh, he's obviously been a big contributor. Uh, we've had a number of boys become Wallabies, and that obviously helps develop a culture. But but basically, it's the fact that the boys they enjoy playing the game. Uh, they love representing the school and they can represent the school at, at their level. And that's the beauty of the game. Uh, you get boys who are quite athletic and boys who are not, but they're all able to put on the colours, play for the school and play at their level. And uh, I think that's a wonderful thing. Uh, it really is. And that's really the success of it. There's no magic wand uh, at all. Um, it's just a matter of... Um, uh, providing opportunities for boys to play a game that they do enjoy and to represent the school in a culture that, that uh, has been successful and people want to become a part of that. Brother Boyd, I think you've said it beautifully. And if uh, any of the kids in the uh, the 15Fs are listening, they're very, very lucky to have you as a mentor. Thank you so much for coming on The Running Game and all the best with yourself and Joey's going forward. No, thanks very much. Thanks, Tim. And thanks, uh, Matty. Lovely to speak with you. Great to speak to you again, Brother Boyd. It's been too long and uh, thanks for coming on. Come out anytime you like. Love to. Come and take the 15Fs with we have non-contested scrums down there, but you'd still be more than welcome. <laughs> Maybe drop goal practice. Come down as field, field goal coach. Field goal coaching. <laughs> All right, then. Thanks, Brother Boyd. Coming up on The Running Game, former Wallaby from the 1970s was a fly half. Of course, he went on to play rugby league. Ken Wright. Time to talk to former Wallaby, Ken Wright. Kenny, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Tim. How are you, Ken? What's happening in the world of Kenny Wright, mate? Are you still involved with rugby any level, or where are you up to these days? Well, yeah, no, I'm still uh, I'm president of Barbarians, which don't get to do a lot these days because of uh, the difficulty of getting games and, and players. Players are keen, but uh, coaches are less keen to let them go, and uh, it's difficult for games. But it's, there's a few, particularly just below the professional level, who love doing it. And um, they love the, you know, playing a, a, an old-fashioned style, or not old-fashioned, but a, not a less structured sort of game. It's serious, but it's not um, over the top, win at all costs. Let's go back to uh, the late nineteen seventies. Let's wind the clock back, Kenny, um, or, or even the early nineteen seventies or mid nineteen seventies, for that matter. Um, where you came from and where you went to, uh, there were some extraordinary players at Ramwick at that time? There was. I mean, I was sort of I was in, in the middle of it to a certain extent because uh, by the time I got there, you know, obviously the, the, the Cats Bowls and the Peter Johnsons and uh, sort of gone and the, the Brasses from the 60s and, and uh, Russell Fairfax even, you know, in the early 70s. And then the Ellis came for my last year in 1978, but I really didn't play much because it was a very heavy representative load that year we had a couple of trips times to new zealand the hong kong sevens and of course we had a 13 week two i was sorry about 13 match two in new zealand which went over two and a half months but um there was there was a golden down you know, the 60s and 70s and of course which led to the 80s when Ramick in particular dominated for a long time with the ellers and and the subsequent point and and mckenzie's etc it's obviously a great club, Kenny Ramick, and it still is. But obviously, the area you're talking about, it was it was it was the pinnacle club. It was the club known all over the world. It ha- it was a brand in itself. What 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 made Ramick such a great club in the seventies, eighties, and the sixties? 
Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, the whole concept that Cyril Towers and Wally Maher had introduced back in the, the 20s of the running rugby, and they, you know, so they got that name. And then, so that attracted certain players. And I think to a certain extent, then there was just the luck of the, the, of the, of the quality of a lot of those players. They were all local guys, you know, Ken Catsball, Peter Johnson, John Brass, Phil Smith. You know, they were all just local guys and the connection with Coogee Surf Club even, you know. Um, and, of course, the great Jeff Sale. Um, but, uh, it was, and you know, and that that sort of philosophy of Cyril Towers, and so he introduced it to Jeff Mould, who then all those players that came out of Matchville High, which was quite remarkable because it, it was a small school, you know. And um, But, you know, the, the players who came out of it, you know, the not just the Ellis, but Lloyd Walker, David Knox, Eddie Jones. I mean, it was a, you know, a, a remarkable um, nursery for players in many respects and, and subsequently coaches. Fertile ground, absolutely unbelievable. Ken, what was it like um, to get to become a Wallaby? What was it like in 1975 when you, you first put that Wallaby jersey on? Well, yeah, I mean... It was it was fairy tale stuff, and it was sort of and happened fairly quickly. I'd only just come to grade. I had a handful of games for Ramick and then Sydney and New South Wales, and we, you know um, the other five eights weren't. Paul McLean was a bit off at the time, so I got got the start, and um, and it was exciting. I because I, I, I remember as a kid, you know, probably the first test I saw I was about thirteen, and I'm standing on the hill seeing that gold jersey come out the Sydney Cricket Ground when they played Wales. And it sort of grabbed me, you know, the, that that spirit and the Wallabies of the time and the guys, you know, watching Greg Davis and and the spirit mm. they played in without, you know, and they were always much smaller than the, the opposing sides, particularly in the forwards. And so there was this, you know, just attitude of just, you know, um, go for broke. And they didn't always win, but they were very competitive in the games I saw. And it was sort of a magical sort of thing to me. And so, you know, the first test running out in the Sydney Crick ground, it was, you know, it was just 19 and, and you know, it was fairy tale stuff. Ken, you got to play in three Bledisloe Cups. How was that experience? You had a, you had a record of winning one, losing two, similar to mine. I, I, I had that similar record. How did you find playing the All Blacks in that era? Yeah, well, you know, we, we toured it to New Zealand and it was, it was always difficult over there. Um, you know, the, the, the weather was not great. The balls were a bit different to what they play with today. They were leather balls that in the wet weather would get quite he- heavy and slippery. But we were coming out. It was, it was a few we you know, the, the great players that came through at that time, the Lones, the Shores, et cetera. That year was a sort of a – there been a lot of build-up to it. Um, the Australia beat Wales in the two tests. They were, they were tight tests, but they, got all, but they were both wins. And then going to New Zealand, we went there with high hopes and – the first test at Wellington, um, very windy, windy Wellington at the time in Athletic Park. And um, I think we went in with high hopes, but I've said this since. We lost we lost the game 13-12 and uh, the person who missed the kick on the death will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I have commented after that, you know what, I don't think we believed deep down until after the game that we were capable of winning. And although forgetting the kick, but, you know, it was one try all. And we came away thinking, too, we are as good as these guys. Because Australia hadn't beaten New Zealand in 15 years at the time, a bit like now. Mm. Um, and um, so, you know, there, wa- there was um, 
you know, I think there was that first test laid the groundwork. The second test at Christchurch was in the most miserable conditions, you know, when um, the ground was underwater, the, the rain was running from south to north, not down on the ground. And it was one of those, you know, the ball was like a piece of soap. And in those conditions, in those days, you never beat the All Blacks because they loved it, you know. And um, so we were never really in the hunt. And then the third test, we and we were down to almost we'd lost half a team by the stage, and and plus the coach. And I think again, it was just an attitude. We thought, you know, we're just going to have a real crack. We're going to throw a bit of caution to the wind at times, and um, you know, and you know, Matt, that the, the All Blacks. They, you know, it might be a dead rubber, but they don't, they don't care, you know. They just think they've got to win everything. And so that was a pretty special day, obviously, with Cornelson getting four tries and it was a record score against the All Blacks. So and that, I think that laid the foundation for the next 15 years in many ways. Kenny, that, that was just an extraordinary result. That One of the questions I really wanted to ask you was your message to smaller sportsmen, particularly in and around rugby and rugby league because you were never big but you always punched above your weight and you took it to the highest level in rugby union you played first grade grand finals in rugby league yeah look it's funny i suppose when you grow up and you're not very big you 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 don't think of yourself as being as small as you are um you know uh, until you until you try and tackle mark lone um and uh yeah, look, it's obviously much more difficult these days, you know. Although, you, you know, they, they put on weight. You're still seeing some smallish players, not quite as small as I was, but but they tend to be on the wing a bit, like you saw uh, Colby, the South African winger, who's is not a big man at all, but he, he's quite dynamic. A few years ago, Shane Williams from Wales was similar. Um, and so it's – but it's harder in the in the the – Midfield, if you like, even from fly half and, and the centres now, because there's so much big traffic running at them. You know, we you only get three or four forwards committing to a to a, a, a ruck or a mall. There's no rucks anymore, really. Um, you know, you've you've got the big bloke standing out out there, so it's and and hitting it, running it at the at the fly half and the and the number twelve. So it it's it's much more difficult now, but it, it it's it's you still still see them propping up. You know, even the the South African. Scrum half, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, I can picture him. But he, you know, he's not a big man. He's quite solid and strong. But, you know, it's possible still. But And, of course, they tend to put weight on people these days. I probably would have, you know, if I was in that situation, they probably would have put five kilos on me. I don't know where, but. (laughs) (laughs) We could lend you some. I know, you, I know, you, I know. You feel Kenny. I, I would have played at eighty-seven kilos. They hadn't made all that food when I was playing. I, I know. <laughs> I know you feel. So, Kenny, this show is obviously about grassroots and, and rugby as a whole. How do you see Australian rugby at the moment? Do you see we're on the trajectory up, or, or, or where are we at? How do you see the game in Australia at the moment? Yeah, look, I actually do think there's a bit of a tra- trajectory up. I mean, um, the, at the gra- at certainly a grade level, we're seeing you know good support base. And I think I actually think the the standard of play at the Shoot Shield has been a lot higher over the last twenty years than people have given a credit to. I think sometimes it gets spoken down to by the contracted players because they don't want the the competition to say that this bloke can come up and take my spot. But and the quality of the play we're seeing at Shoot Shield's pretty good. It's that next level where we seem to struggle, and I you know I'm probably not close enough to it to know exactly why, but we're seeing a resurgence. I mean the Brumbies and the Reds. 
uh, even the Wooler Force on the weekend. You know, that's, so it's, they're a lot closer. I still actually think the Brumbies are probably the benchmark, uh, despite the Reds winning this year. I feel as though, you know, the Brumbies played without a bit of luck in the, in the final and, and they showed on the weekend against the Crusaders. I mean, anyone who runs the Crusaders to, to that sort of level is doing pretty well. Um, but I think there's a, quite a few good young players around and the grade, and the grade level, they're not all going to be good enough to go to the next, to, you know, super rugby, but they're still playing good rugby and creating some interest in the, in the public. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny, look, uh, I could talk to you all day and no doubt we'll do that soon over a glass of red. I I just want to ask this question because we tend to ask it to all people that do come on the running game. Why is the game of rugby so magical? What is that little thing that it has, the game they play in heaven, is obviously a line that's been used in the past. Yeah, well, I think, um, it, well, it's, it's, it is the camaraderie, that the, the tradition of it, I suppose, and it just sort of feeds through and, and at grade level, certainly, you still have that that feel that I don't think, and the fact that it's not overly professional probably helps. People just want to want to play and, and and celebrate the game and and, and you know and, and have fun. I think there's a lot of things they could do to make it better in terms of the laws, and but still, you know, you know, I've sort of uh, been a little bit involved. Like my son was coaching down at East, and I helped out down there for a couple of years with him. Um, and you know there there is a good feel in the clubs, and particularly I suppose you know if you combine if you where some clubs went wrong was they almost had this first grade being separated from the rest of the club. The clubs who'll do well are those who it becomes a club from first grade to fourth grade. They're all in it together, you know. And you don't get that in other sports. Kenny, I like what you said about the rules. I think it's a really interesting. Comment, you know, different people have opinions. If you could change two rules or bring two rules in the game of rugby, what would they be? Ooh. <laughs> um, they've got to do something at the scrum level. Matt, you probably have a better idea than I do. But, you know, when we got beaten by Wales at the World Cup, the last two minutes of that game was the same scrum. You know, and that's just ridiculous. Um, I'd, well, I'd love to see Rucking come back into it. You know, I mean, it's, I think it was... You know, because I think we're seeing we've got to try and get forwards committed to the, the breakdown more. You can't have, you know, 12 players spread across the ground, you know. And the other one, actually one thing I would definitely change, I think it is utterly ridiculous that you can change half your team. You've got eight reserves and you can put all of them on. Now, as a small guy, um, to answer your question, Tim, what happens then is you get all these big guys who are out there that you don't get the tightness the factor. You're seeing in rugby league, they talk about it as well. If you have big blokes starting to get tied, holes open up and the smaller, more skillful players can come into their own. And I think that is one critical thing. Having Replacing a whole team, to me, is ludicrous. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I reckon that uh, some of that is very good to think about going forward because that is the one area which I think every single person we've had on this show has agreed on. There needs to be some adjustments in and around the rules going forward, which will help uh, attract people to the game at every single level. Kenny Wright, appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Eves, Kenny. That's it for The Running Game this week. We'll be with you every week with more rugby chat and great interviews. Follow us on your favourite podcast app. Thank you to today's guests, Ken Wright, and to brother Anthony Boyd. Thank you to our sponsors, Spartan Sports, and, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We'll see you next week, Matt. See you, Tim. Can't wait for next week.